0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today's sermon is written by Dr. Siegbert Becker and adapted by me for a lay service sermon, a very small adaptation. So once again, if you enjoy the sermon, go buy Dr. Becker's book. And if you don't enjoy the sermon that's completely my fault, you're free to send me nasty letters. Uh, Today's uh, sermon, as noted in the bulletin, is based on a few verses from Romans chapter 8, verses 33 through 39. So we'll start by reading those, and uh, once again, you'll get four readings today for the price of three. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. All of the Bible is God's holy, inspired and inerrant word, and none of it ought to be despised. Yet it is certainly true that most of us have favorite Bible passages we treasure above others. Many Christians, for example, consider the 23rd Psalm to be one of the most beautiful and comforting of all the Psalms. But even the 23rd Psalm could hardly be said to be more beautiful than this text, which was just read to you. Where can you find anything more comforting and more eloquent than these words of triumphant faith? In these words, St. Paul assures us that nothing can separate us from God's love. First of all, he makes it clear that our sins cannot separate us from the love of God. This is really basic for everything else that he says. Paul does not deny that we are sinners. He knew that he himself was a sinner, for in the previous chapter he had written, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. Paul likewise knew that all other men in this world are sinners, for in the third chapter of Romans he wrote, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul also knew that sin does indeed separate men from God's love. He knew that the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. He also knew very well that the Bible says that God hates all workers of iniquity and that God is angry with the wicked every day. If we, therefore, are workers of iniquity, if we have done wrong, if we have been wicked, and who is there among us who would deny any of these things, then how can we possibly hope that these sins will not separate us from the love of God? Paul has an answer to all those questions. He says in our text, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. When we hear about charges being brought against us, we think immediately of a courtroom. And it is clear that the courtroom St. Paul has in mind is the one in which God himself sits in judgment on men. That ought to produce in us some very serious thoughts. We know that while we may be in a position in which no one can charge us with any crime before a human court, we must admit that according to God's law, which requires not only an outwardly decent life, but uh, also perfect holiness and thoughts and desires, we are all wide open to all kinds of accusations and charges that can be brought against us before God's court. Not only the devil, but even our own conscious conscience often charges us with damnable sins against God. But Paul says that God has justified us. That is, God himself has declared us not guilty. He has pronounced us innocent in the courtroom of heaven. If the devil, therefore, wants to insist that we are guilty, he can only do that by contradicting God. In attacking us, he attacks the truthfulness of God also. God says we are not guilty. If the devil says we are, he only makes a liar out of himself For God is the supreme judge from whose verdict there is no appeal. And if our own conscience accuses us and brings all kinds of charges against us, we have a right to tell our conscience to be silent. For St. John says, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Now we know that God does not just arbitrarily cancel our sins. If he would do that, he would not be a just God, nor would he be truthful, for he says in his word that the soul who sins shall die. Paul also reminds us of the solution to that problem when he writes, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Christ died because he was condemned for our sins. In dying, he paid the penalty of our guilt. When he rose from the dead, that resurrection showed that he had that what he had done was enough to pay for the sins of the whole world. And now, at the right hand of God, he intercedes for us. He prays to God that we might not be condemned, because everything we deserved for our sins he has already suffered. Because of all this, the sins that would normally separate us from God and make us objects of His wrath can no longer separate us from his love in Christ. Neither are the sorrows and sufferings that we must endure in this world able to separate us from God's love. Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of God, uh, love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. When distress and danger come, Christians are often tempted to believe that this is an indication that they have lost the love of God. They are like children who think that when their parents discipline them or will not let them have their way to do what they want to do or to have what they would like to have, that their parents do not love them. And yet the Bible says that whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. In the same way, we ought not to imagine that when troubles come into our lives, this is any indication that the Lord's love has somehow been separated from us. In fact, the book of Hebrews says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Paul knew what he was talking about, and his own life is a good commentary on this text. Paul came from an aristocratic family. In his youth, he was highly thought of among the Jewish people. In terms of this world, we would say that he had it made. And then he became a Christian and lost everything. The rest of his life, he spent in hard labor, persecuted, and often enduring great suffering. When he said, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, he knew what he was talking about. It made no difference to him what happened in this world. He knew that God loved him in spite of his unworthiness. And he knew that this love of God was not just a temporary or passing thing. He knew that none of these sufferings could separate him from the love of Christ. In fact, He was sure that nothing at all in this world could do that. He wrote, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He knew that death could not separate us from God's love. He knew, as he said, that whether he lived or died, he was the Lord's. He knew that if he died, he would be with Christ. He knew that continued living in this world would not do it, for he was sure that the Lord would keep him safe as long as he lived. He was sure that angels could not do it, for the good angels would not want to separate us from the love of God, and the evil angels, were subject to God's power. He was confident that he was safe in the present, that the future was in God's hands, and that God would not let anything happen that could possibly separate him from his love. The highest honors of the world could not tempt him to place anything above the love of Christ. The lowest depths to which his enemies could bring him could not make him forget that Jesus still loved him, even if all the world was against him. He was sure that there was nothing in all this created world that could change this fact, that in Christ, God's love would endure to all eternity. I am sure that all of us would like to have the kind of assurance that Paul displays in this text. We would all like to be able to say with him, I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted in him until that day. We can have that kind of confidence and that kind of assurance, for we have the same promises from God that St. Paul had. And the Lord Jesus died for all of us, just as surely as he died for St. Paul. For the Bible says that he tasted death for everyone. In fact, the only thing that can rob us of the love of God is our refusal to believe what he has promised. His love will never be any less. But by our refusal to believe what he has promised, we can cut ourselves off from the enjoyment of all that he offers us. May God help us to believe these promises, and then we will be able to say with the Apostle, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please stand. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.